This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Slayton, and I'm so glad you're here. I empower leaders to turn indifferent customers into loyal fans. I talk to guests with a wide range of experience who share meaningful insights and wisdom. We give you practical tips, proven frameworks, and share ways to help you delight your customers. Well, my guest on the show today is Carla Higgins, who has made a career in the banking industry and held many different positions. I mean, she knows banking inside and out. And today we talk about something I think you'll find interesting, which is ITMs or interactive teller machines and how they are sort of bridging the gap between the traditional brick and mortar model of banking and digital or virtual banking. Um, So we get into that and I think it's kind of an interesting case study for other applications of technology that can be used to support a strategy. Well, I am very excited today to have my guest, Carla Higgins, on the Delighted Customers Show. Carla has a really interesting background. She has spent almost her entire career in the banking world and really all of it in one one bank, but she ascended uh, through the organization uh, started at Erie when it was Erie, which is a division of CNB Bank, which is where she still is. Um, she was uh, in the branch network, and then she became a, a market manager. She was a VP of commercial lending, um, and then she got into the the CX space in quality assurance. And now she's a SVP of client experience at CNB Bank, which uh, services the like the states of. Ohio, Pennsylvania, and and upstate New York, and and she'll probably share with me uh, more locations. But really, really interesting background. She's been there over 16 years uh, in one bank, and uh, her background before that is she went to Penn West uh, University, uh, Penn West, I'm sorry, Penn West Edinburgh, and for her undergrad or for a bachelor's degree, and then went to Gannon University for her master's in business administration. So I just am so excited to talk to her. We're going to spend some time talking about um, her view of customer experience in general and in banking. And we're going to talk about a relatively new uh, strategy that banks are using I guess it really kind of, it was existed before COVID, but it really accelerated and took off, uh, especially from, for the customer's delight in COVID as, uh, as a way to do their banking without having to uh, have a personal connection given the realities of the pandemic um, and, and, and be involved in, in a face-to-face human uh, interaction and, and why, it, why it might also be for the bank's benefit. So with all that, Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I'm happy to, to be here today. Okay. Looking forward to an enlightening conversation. Same, same here. And um, you and I have crossed paths in the banking world before in, in forums. And, and just, I know you're, you're like me, you love to learn about things and especially the customer experience. I do. I, I couldn't be more passionate about it. 
I have spent the last five years uh, knee deep in it. And I, I feel like sometimes I'm just getting started because things just continue to become more accessible and it just makes uh, learning about the customers that much more rewarding uh, when you have access to things that you didn't have before. So we're going we're gonna to dig into that a, a little bit more as well as we go through in terms of access to things you didn't have before. But first, um, I just shared a little bit of your background through the branch network and, and on up. How did you get involved in CX? My introduction to CX was totally by accident. Hmm. It was never an intention, intentional career path for me. I had been in retail banking with uh, CNB for, or really just in, in, in all banks for eight years. I also spent four years in commercial lending. And I was at this strange standstill you hit in your career where I felt I just wasn't sure if I was professionally satisfied anymore. I just had finished a, a two-year leadership institute that CNB hosted. And I was taking some serious hard looks at what does the next 20 years of my career want to be? What do I, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I'm not sure I've completely figured that out, but it, it's something I work on every day. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess I could say that how I fell into CX was I had mentioned that I was in this professional slump, if you will, at the right time to the right person at CNB who knew my background, uh, knew what my professional aspirations were, also knew how passionate I was about our company and, and the thought of leaving it to try something new. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure that that was the right thing for me either. So just right time, right place, right person. And ironically, uh, this person, uh, who is still on our senior leadership team, was creating a quality assurance role for the first time ever in the bank, which was outside of her role, the only CX position we've ever had. Uh, and it started real small with customer service, overseeing those metrics, and then moving to live chat, and then moving on to a little bit more sophisticated uh, technology that we've continued to look into and, and grow and improve that I know we're going to talk about later, the ITMs. So, I mean, the short is I love to solve problems. I like to find new answers, mm -hmm. uh, especially for clients. When I was in those client-facing roles, uh, so rewarding. I, I really saw what we were doing was changing people's lives, mm -hmm. making you know, saving them money, helping them build their first home, growing a business line, buying their first building, whatever it might be. It's a really rewarding thing when you see businesses thrive and, and the people in your community thriving. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like in a way it was a career revival for you. It was, it was, I couldn't, I seriously did not expect it. I didn't know what I was getting into, uh, but keeping an open mind and just the real life experience I had in those roles has proven to be extremely beneficial when I'm talking to other leaders in the bank now, uh, because I'm not just somebody who is telling them something from data I see. I actually can relate to those positions and the positions I'm asking them to, 
to think about when it comes to, you know, differentiating the experience for your clients at each location, treating your, your branch, your division uh, as though you're an entrepreneur. So speaking of differentiating the bank for your clients, what would you say to the skeptic who said, um, you know, I, I'm not sure I believe CX really is a brand differentiator? I would say, you know, it's pretty difficult for a business to say that they put their clients first if they don't actually listen to their clients. Hmm. So, you know, that can take all, all different shapes. Hmm. It can be having a formal complaint process that you review every month or a, a series of client experience survey studies to really understand different touch points that you want to learn more about or researching different client segments. But if you are just presenting what you think is best for the client, uh, it will be really difficult for you to, to read their mind and to give them exactly what they're after. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I also think that, you know, listening to your clients really helps validate where you should be developing new concepts and initiatives instead of just following industry trends or the new technology or new technology, you know, follow, follow the, the shiniest new thing. Uh, you can adopt the best technology in the world, but if you don't have teams of people inside your organization that are really there to stand up and make sure that the client is represented in every decision as that technology is being developed, that technology will never hit the mark. Never. You have to have the infrastructure and the, the CX focused individuals to, to really elevate what happens next to you know, be the voice of the customer in the room when those decisions are being made. So Carla, you said something that, um, that caught my interest, which is have teams of people have an infrastructure. It, what advice would you have to the new CX leader who is th thinking about building that infrastructure? Like how, how might you assemble the teams? I think initially you'll find in, in most organizations that there are CX minded individuals across all positions, uh, across all levels of the organization. And you don't need to create a whole new section of your org chart to start. I think it's really taking people who are passionate about the client experience and building a committee, uh, setting, you know, building a vision, uh, setting goals, and then working through initiatives that speak to those goals with, you know, how the risks your company is willing to make or the steps that they're willing to take from a advancement standpoint, but working them together, you know, it, there's people who are very willing to do more than is asked of them in a given workday if they're given the opportunity and you know, we've done it a couple different ways in CMB over the years, but most recently for an experienced task force we formed, we actually had an application process. We put together a smart sheet. They filled out a couple uh, sections of an application. And our company at that time probably had 720 employees, 89 people, not in CX applied, not in EX applied to participate. I mean, there's that many people who care. And we're not paying them more to do it. We're really just pulling them together 
to help move things forward. Mm, I, I love it. And, and it says something to the spirit of CNB and your leadership and kind of the people that you bring along and you hire and you train and you socialize. Um, so how would you organize the teams? Are they by product? Are they by division? Good question. We've done it two ways. We went through a redesign in 2020. Initially, when we launched, we did it by touch points. Hmm. Uh, so one group might've been the online experience CX committee. Okay. Another one might be the customer service experience committee or the loan experience committee. So it was very much focused on a product more so than the customer. And in 2020, between the chief uh, experience officer and I just having late night conversations about <laughs> client experience, we had this epiphany where we said, let's make this about the client. So yeah. let's twist this on its side and let's quit talking about our products. Our products are the same products any bank offers. We want to know what client segments are are important to us. Mm. So we did some homework on those client segments. We have four that are high priority on the business side, commercial side, and we have four that are on the consumer retail side. And then we got to work. We learned about those, those different segment groups. And then we formed committees to journey map what their journey looks like in different situations. So it's not so product driven as it is journey driven. So I, I heard a couple of gems there that um, I, I would like to pull out. Um, one is, you know, you did you did some iterations. So that's one you started one way, but you realized the idea was good, but you needed to restructure it and look at and, and set it up through the customer's lens. Um, Correct. You know, which is applies to a lot of things in CX, right? As we look at things through the customer's lens. And in this case, you're, you know, if you're thinking about ways to improve their experience, you have to look at things through their lens, right? Correct. Um, so that then you structured, you structured uh, those different things. And one question I have from my, my own experience in banking is we had all these previous committees that existed, physical channel committee, we had a brand, branch rationalization committee. Um, mm. For those people who aren't familiar, that's uh, the reality that physical branches may or may not be the way that clients or customers want to bank with us going forward. So um, looking at maybe which branches to keep open, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the world of acquisitions, if you end up with multiple branches in close, close proximity, you're not going to keep them both open probably. So which, you know, which one should stay open? When should you sunset branches and so forth? So that was branch rationalization. And there are, there are these other committees that I, that seem to be endless. Um, are, 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 is, are you, what you're talking about separate from those other committees? And did your bank have these ones that I'm talking about? Our bank has uh, multiple committees and they kind of phase in and out based on what's, what's going on in the external environment for okay. sure. Okay. Uh, these committees are ongoing. Okay. They uh, they are separate. Uh, there's no, you know, accountability in the sense if you're on a committee and you can't show up for a meeting, I, you know, it's truly a volunteer effort. We see a very high level of participation though because 
there is an opportunity to change what happens next. And we're basically putting regular people in the bank who maybe don't think that they uh, have that ability in the driver's seat to represent their client, to represent that client segment, and to really tell us, the people who work on strategic initiatives, what is going to make the difference? Where are those pain points that we're ignoring? Uh, is it enough that it affects retention? And then building the roadmap for what happens next. Yeah, so, so a few things come to mind. One, and what you just said, that just in terms of just so many benefits of the approach you just shared. One, I think of who, who knows what's going on better than the people who are serving either directly or indirectly the customer. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got great intelligence. We get good feedback from other sources like surveys and focus groups, IDIs, et cetera. But the employees really have generally have a good grasp. They're a great resource. They are. And, you know, if you work for a company like ours, like CNB, they really, really care. Mm. They fight, they fight so hard to make things right for their client if there is something wrong or something doesn't make sense. And we, you know, made an error in how we programmed something or how something functions. And they they fight for that client. And we've seen it time and time again. And it's it's always proven, you know, when you work in an organ in certain organizations and you have the trust of senior leadership to bob and weave and make decisions and and really not wait for every decision, but you know, pull triggers, make make things happen. Go back to your client and say, because you you told me how important this was to you, and because we had ten other people in the last three months that mentioned this, also our policy is changing or our procedure is changing or the way you have access to that resource is changing. That's really powerful stuff. And it, it's, it happens every single year here throughout the year at CMB. It really does. Well, and that, that's really powerful that, you know, that, that intention, just having the pulse so close to where the heart is beating um, is just such a great source of intelligence and information to make decisions on. I want to add a couple of others that based on what I heard you say, and then let's take a quick break and come back and talk a little bit about uh, what I call CX breakthroughs. And in your case, ITM uh, is a fairly new thing that customers may or may not be aware of if they don't have it where they bank. So I want to talk more about that, but I want to add a couple of things. One, one thing I heard you said too, is you may be surprised about the willingness for employees to volunteer their time for things that they're not going to get paid extra for, but because they have a a genuine caring for the customer and the customer experience. Absolutely. And then, then the other piece of it is it is a benefit in a world where we have, you know, the great walkout, the, uh, what are are we, what are we calling this? The, the great um, resignation, resignation. Thank you. 
um, and to develop your employees and give them exposure to other ways. You know, if they're just in one specific silo, let's say they're an underwriter or they're in retail administration or they're mm -hmm. an analyst of some kind, you're giving them exposure to a whole nother aspect of their work life and helping them become more, more well-rounded in their career. Right. And then I couldn't agree with you more. Okay. I mean, we find that we can draw on so much internal talent. We have unbelievable talent that's kind of hidden and tucked away, maybe because they don't know some of these positions or don't know that they would want some of them in the future, but it's, they're out there. And I, I think when you have uh, a culture of people that truly put the clients first or, or can put the clients first, maybe they don't in their role because of the type of role that they have. They don't have that direct focus. It, it's amazing. It's amazing what you get done. And you know that you said something that, that makes me think of some of the people on these committees that I've spoken to in one-off conversations, like it enriches them. It really mm. does add value to what they really believe their contribution to the organization is or could be or can be. So it's it's pretty powerful, pretty powerful stuff when you know when you when you have those career slumps, going back to my own story, you know, just positioning yourself with people who are looking for some something you have to offer. It's a very real thing. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate you circling back to your own story. Um, and the last thing I wanted to make, uh, make, make a point of, and in, in what I heard you say is they, you know, they get excited about this. They, they become aware, they feel like they're part of the CX effort and they become evangelists for CX. And just like customers yeah. who are, who are uh, loyal and are excited about what, um, being, being a customer of yours, employees who are excited about contributing in this way, they tell their, their coworkers. Absolutely. They do. And, you know, as, as people's roles change and the roster changes, we, we keep these committees really fresh uh, from a leadership perspective. Usually people sit in those seats for 18 months to 24 months, but you know, these committees, they new people are coming in and out just based on other responsibilities and changes in the real, the real job, as I would say, but it's, it's, it can be as fun as we let it be. You know, it's it's kind of a break from a, a typical workday too, where you get to sit there and think about something completely different from what your real responsibilities are. Awesome. Well, a win, 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 and really excited about what you've done. Uh, hopefully, if you're listening, you're getting great ideas. Uh, what, hopefully, it's sparking some ideas that may, may be applicable to where you are. Or maybe you're just resonating with uh, a lot of what Carla has shared with us so far. And we are going to switch topics now and talk about something pretty new to banking. Um, I guess it's it's been around for, I don't know, half a dozen years, but really hasn't been adopted till recently. And I remember talking to a colleague when I was in the banking world in the Midwest somewhere, who um, at the onset of the pandemic accelerated their implementation of the ITM machine. So I'd love to have you shed some light on to the audience. What is an ITM? What benefit does it provide to the different stakeholders, whether you're the bank, whether you're uh, the, the employees, well, or the client themselves? 
so I I love this topic. I I am so in this is such a big part of the last four years of my career. So <laughs> I'm excited to share people with others what I've learned and you know, hopefully some things that will help them decide if it's something they can consider. But an ITM is an interactive teller machine. That's what it stands for. And in short, it allows for a client to either insert their card at a machine that looks basically like an ATM and function just like an ATM, take cash out, um, deposit a check, something like that, or it allows for you to touch the screen and speak to a live banker. And now I'm not talking about a virtual banker. I'm talking about a real person who is essentially waiting, which we're going to get, I'll get into a little bit more for your touch. And that banker can do everything, nearly everything that a drive up banker can do. So that could be split deposits, cashing checks, uh, customer service related activities like ordering new checks or ordering a new check card, or can you mail me a statement? Uh, basically everything that a drive a person can do other than give your dog a bone in the tube. <laughs> we can't do that. We can't do that. But we we do actually have a creative solution and we do we send our puppies that we can see on video dog biscuits in the mail. Oh when they're when their owners use an ITL. So go ahead, Mark. Well, I was just going to ask about um, the one thing that came to mind, and maybe I should know the answer to this, but what about wires? No wires, no wires. Uh, although we wouldn't, at least at our institution, we wouldn't typically process a wire in a drive up transaction. Mm. Um, just like a cashier's check, we wouldn't typically. Yeah. Do that in a drive up transaction. So it, it's very much closely tied to how a drive up banker functions. Okay. okay. And, you know, moving on to like your, the other part of your question is, you know, what are the benefits it provides? Yes. The biggest benefits to clients is, and you, you mentioned this earlier, uh, and I, I want to be really clear. It really offers a live face to face and personalized banking experience. Mm -hmm to the client uh, beyond typical banking hours on top of it. So our team of agents, they work Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And they work Saturdays, eight to three. So in certain, this, this really, what this does when you have these outside hours is they can attract clients that you couldn't normally mm. attract because they can't get to the bank. Yeah. Uh, but we use um, in a lot of our newest locations, because we're a growing organization, uh, CMB doesn't stand still for very long. We're always moving forward. We're always uh, looking for organic growth. And at all of our new locations and some of our legacy locations, even we have installed ITMs as our exclusive drive up solution. So it eliminates any of the traditional pneumatic tube systems. All of them are just wiped out and gone. Uh, and these ITMs are in the lanes instead. So why would we do something like this? There's a couple different facets to it, but one of them is that way we don't have 
uh, a banker literally sitting in the drive up waiting for the next car to drive up. I know we've all been in the bank and seen that person sit in the drive. And you're like, what do they do all day? What do they do? What do they do when nobody drives up? So uh, it allows for the on-site employees where these ITMs are the drive up solution to really offer an elevated and branch experience, more focus on building and deepening client relationships, mm -hmm. uh, leaving all the tactical banking activities to be handled through the ITMs. Gotcha. That, so that's a huge advantage to both the bank and the client. Oh, for sure. And from an employee experience standpoint, uh, how how this all kind of works is you have your on-site employees, which is your traditional branch employees. Mm -hmm. And then you have this group of off-site, off we call them multi-experience agents. Uh, I might refer to them as an MX agent just by accident. So that's what MX stands for. And they really are a true extension of the branch experience. They work with the branch. They know branch employees. They actually know clients. Uh, we sometimes assign teams of MX agents to work a series of 10 different ITMs throughout the footprint so they can actually get to know the clients, just like a drive-up banker would get to know who's driving up uh, to create that continuity of the experience from the customer's perspective. And it allows for, from a staffing perspective, for us to kind of shift our staffing model so whenever you adopt new technology, the big thing is, oh, you're cutting, you're cutting FTE, you're cutting jobs, we're not going to have enough people here. But really, if you have three ITMs on location, let's say you have three driver planes, it's like having three extra people on your team. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's how it works and why it works is because these MX agents are actually working in a queue. So for example... If you were in lane one at Bank on Buffalo, Bank on Buffalo Niagara's location and touched the screen, I can take that call as an MX agent. And then my next call might be lane two at CMB Punxsutawney. Mm. And then my next call might be Erie Bank Seven Hills Lobby. So one after another. And you have to set metrics, obviously, from a uh, performance standpoint. And right now, our metrics are our average transaction is two minutes and 20 seconds, and the average queue time is 14 seconds, actually. So this allows for us to create jobs, just different jobs where people aren't sitting in a drive. You know, we don't have three different bankers sitting in a drive up waiting for a transaction. We have one person handling each of those lanes in a queue. So way, way more efficient way more efficient, way more efficient. And, you know, you think of the drive up, it's a tactical luxury. It, it, it serves, uh, it serves very little purpose other than just to cash checks, take payments, make deposits. There's not a lot of business going down in there. And, you know, if you think of the drive up experience, the tubes don't always work. The mm -hmm. PA system or the intercom system is so loud sometimes that you know, you can hear that banker and customer interaction within a half mile radius. So it's very impersonal in most yeah. cases where the ITM, when you touch the screen, my face will pop up. Well, not my face, but one of the MX agents right. will pop up and greet you and be eye to eye with you throughout the whole thing. 
Plus they control all of the inner workings of the machine. So when people are, don't know what to do, the everything is walkthrough. Everything is, we can control it like a, like a puppet string. So, um, so I, I have to, I have to rewind because there's a question stuck in my head that is, that is off topic, but it's related to something you mentioned in the last. Okay. And I have to, for my listeners, cause we're partly a humorous show as well. Um, <laughs> when you mention Puxatawney, are we talking about the same Puxatawney as where Puxatawney Phil is from Groundhog yes. Day? The place. Okay. The place. All right. So we now yes. got, we got a little bit of Hollywood and Groundhog Day into the Delighted Customers podcast. Yes. We, we actually I've never have, been there on on Groundhog Day, but I would imagine someday I will have that chance if I want it. I yeah. just don't. Yeah, that's I, not part. That's not very close to where I I live within the footprint. But okay, I've been there. I've been there. They have a beautiful building. It's exciting. Yeah, and you have yeah you have a community office there, right? We do. And that was actually a legacy office that we converted into what we're calling a smart center. Mm. And that just means that uh, there's no traditional teller line anymore. Uh, the drive up is exclusively ITM technology. There are, again, there's no tubes uh, in the lobby. They have queuing on a TCR for transactions that might take place in person. Uh, we have a touch screen. Uh, interactive type of learning device on the wall that you can learn about big products or research things or whatever. It's actually kind of fun. I think they even have a kid's component to it. The kids can sit there and color on it with their fingers. Hmm. Um, so anyways, yes, completely redesigned, high top tables, soft surfaces. It's real fluffy and comfy in there. And uh, for a legacy market, that's a big shocker, but I think what really brought it together, knowing that the ITM technology was going to be new, the look and feel was going to be new, is the people you know that that we work with in that particular location have such a great relationship with their community mm -hmm. that they worked, you know, they took the heavy lifting on on most of that transition, but it all worked out. Our retention was very high and continues to be high in that location, so. I think in when you're talking about legacy banks and branches, that's the big fear. You know, that's it's it's scary to think that you might actually know better how to serve the customer and changing, you know, philosophies for how that looks and feels. You try to keep it the same from a customer perspective, but the employees are usually more resistant than the customers, to be honest. Mm. So it, it makes for a lot of collaborative discussions and learning opportunities. Carla is, as you're talking, I'm, I am having this question in my head and that the ITM uh, sounds incredibly efficient. It sounds uh, for the most part, clients would welcome it. Um, they, the, 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 the ability to have more, you know, faster, easier transactions, still see a human being in the case of the pandemic, don't have to worry about, you know, some contagious factor of the pandemic right um, so you've got all those going is it is it um is the some people listening here inside or outside of banking may be asking it are branch branch banks branches brick and mortar going to be blockbustered um and is the itm either 
a replacement for a branch or is it, will it still have a, a purpose if everything goes completely digital? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think I will, that will not happen completely to an extreme in the next 16 years before I retire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it'll be a little bit of a combination of of sorts. You know, CMB's usage of it is really, you know, the drive up technology space. That's really where we're focused on ITM usage. But I do see a value add in satellite ITMs being available between markets or, you know, maybe somewhere where you just have a loan production office where you're more driving uh, that side of the balance sheet as opposed to the transactional side. So I think it's going to continue to shift. You know, if you think of all of the things that have we've shifted on over the years, and I'm not even just talking about uh, self-serve at the airport now and self-serve at your grocery store. I'm just talking about the fact that we've all just gotten more comfortable doing certain things on our own mm-hmm. because have become so easy to use. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really partly where the answer is, is if you're like how we, you know, how CMB implemented this change, we, we did a full on integration with our core a lot of people who adopt ITMs, uh, that's a that's a really, really heavy lift, especially if you're like us and your core had never partnered in an ITM integration before. Mm. Uh, so we were all learning together uh, how we could make this work. But in case you in case you didn't pick up, if you're not in the in the banking world and you're listening um, the, the core is simply usually a third party provider that is the back, the technology backbone where the data resides. Correct. Thank you. That's yes. okay. Yeah, I know. It's, it's easy to just slip right into the jargon. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of banking jargon, yeah. but I, I think it'll be a combination. And I really think it's all going to depend on, um, you know, I, I think it's going to depend on two things. One is how good is your internal infrastructure? to make that client experience actually elevated from what it is today. And then two is making sure that your employees uh, are part of that change that, you know, we're not looking to replace people with robots. We're looking to take people's jobs and enrich them and give them more meaningful and consistent work that they can feel they can complete in a day uh, with, you know, improved resources. Well, you did you did a, a great job of, of talking through the benefits and the reasons why kind of how it, how it all works and why it might benefit a company. What what was maybe the biggest lesson learned by going through the whole process of getting these implemented? The biggest lesson learned. There were many. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that. The biggest lesson learned is that any differentiated a new concept is met with resistance. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then it will not prove to be differentiating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's lots of different ways ITMs are used throughout the United States and really across the world because this technology was introduced overseas far before it was really ever 
put out in, in the States here. However, you know, if it was easy one, everybody would be doing it, you know, so you have to, you have to be able to stomach the change, as I would say, and be ready, you know, have a team of flexible people who really are after the goal of, of integration or implementation. So maybe it's not ITMs, but whatever it is that your industry is and, you know, where you might need to make an investment, uh, I would say as long as it's aligning with your corporate strategic initiatives and your goals, uh, do what you say you're going to do. I mean, and that's something CMB is, was really specific about, um, you know, having adaptable technology, uh, leveraging ourselves or positioning ourselves for long-term growth, focusing on the client experience and the employee experience to make sure that we can deliver uh, what we say we're set out to do. Well, well, well said. Yeah. I, I love what you said about this resistance in differentiating. And if it's, if there's no resistance in it, it's probably not going to differentiate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's great. Hey, um, this has been really interesting and uh, fascinating and tons of gems coming out of this. If it's okay, I'd like to uh, get to the part of the interview where we're talking about a little bit more personal items, and that is the turning point. And the turning point question really is to ask yourself, is there, was there something in your professional or personal life that changed the trajectory of your career? What was it and what was the outcome? I think that the turning point in my life, what there, there's kind of two pieces to this. One was making sure that I was, I had a support system that, that really wanted what I wanted for myself. That, you know, that was, that's not something everybody gets easily. Uh, but I have a great husband and kids who, and my parents, we, they all kind of help me out so that I can fulfill, you know, my professional aspirations. So I think that's one piece of it. And then the second piece of it uh, is that at some point in my career, you just, I just got out of my own way. I stopped thinking about what I wanted. And I just kind of threw myself into the work and, and fell in love with, with what I do. And, you know, there's, that can't be bought, hmm. you know, that can't be repurchased from somebody else. It's, I work for a company that has shown me there's always a new career opportunity. If for some reason, CX isn't my ultimate goal, but I, uh, I think those are the two big things is a support system and, and getting out of my own way and just enjoying where I'm at. And, and even something there for our listeners, you know, um, not everybody's blessed with such a strong immediate family support system that you have, but just the idea of knowing that, um, you know, whatever your job is, but particularly if you're in the CX world, it's hard work. Oh, Yes, it's it's as you alluded to, it's change and people really don't like change, especially bankers. Right, right. The, the, if everything just stayed the same, they'd be very, <laughs> very content. But it's 
it's, it's hard for everybody, you know, and I think that's, that I guess is my goal is to get people to influence others and have them come with me on this, on these journeys that, you know, we get to go on and, and really change uh, the trajectory of, of the employee experience, the customer experience, uh, you know, it, it can be fun if you let it be, you know, and the biggest thing that I learned in the ITM world when we were going through that is if I didn't ask the right question, I wasn't going to get the right answer. And if I didn't know what I was doing sometimes because it was new to all of us, uh, mistakes were made. But those mistakes that took us out at our knees for a day or two really changed who I was professionally. It really taught me composure and taught me peace and taught me to be able to uh, rally the troops and turn things around and express, you know, to everyone in the company that we are making the right moves and we just have to work together and be patient and, and take care of each other and, and everything will work out if you have a good plan. Everything works out. And if you have perseverance. Yes. Hmm. Very good. Well, I'm, I have, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Carla, if our listeners, uh, for some, one reason or another, want to reach out to you, what might be the best way they can get a hold of you? Uh, the best way is probably on LinkedIn, Carla Higgins, CNB Bank. Okay. Um, more than happy to connect with people who want to have more CX discussions. I, I love this stuff. So we're the lucky ones. Well, thank you. And I feel lucky to have you having had you on the show. I could see why um, the bank is, is so fortunate to have you as as uh, and so glad as an employee and so glad that you're happy to be there. And, and you just uh, I'm happy to have had you on the show. It was truly my pleasure. I, I love talking with other practitioners uh, about CX. I just it's something that I I really do believe changes the success of a company. So I, I could talk about this stuff for days and days and days. And learning from someone like you, Mark, oh my gosh. I mean, you left quite an impression when we met many years ago. Uh, you truly are a, just an ambassador for CX and, and the you know people who aren't maybe putting themselves out there yet or trying to learn about it or position themselves. So. I look forward to the influence you have to your listeners and, and the outcomes that will, they will gain from it. Well, so, so kind of you to say. I appreciate it. Carla, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'd like to ask you a favor. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of my other ones, hit subscribe or follow. I've got a lot of other great guests that are coming up and a lot of other great content, and I don't want you to miss anything. You can find any links or references on the show in the show notes, and you can find those on my website at empoweredcx.com. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and visit cxofm.org for more resources.